Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. Today we're going to discuss a topic we have before, but it's a bit more relevant today, which is inflation. The most recent reading of inflation jumped 0.8% for the month of April and up 4.2% year over year. While inflation may seem like a boring topic, it has wide ranging implications that we wanted to go over them today, as this is likely going to be a topic of discussion in the years to come. So as advisors and planners, we talk about risk a lot, and inflation is another risk that investors face. We discussed often, and it's even more relevant now, as Joe said, that the concept of leaving your cash under your mattress may not lose you money in terms of dollars, but it is losing you money in terms of purchasing power. Inflation risk is just that, and it is a real risk. So inflation is the general rise in the level of prices, and for most of us, it really hasn't been an issue for some time. Sure, we see certain areas of the economy where prices have been going up in recent years. Think college education or certain medical services. But by and large, inflation has been below trend for quite some time. And to clarify, when we say below trend, we mean 2%. The 2% target was set back in 2012 when they moved to an explicit target. And prior to that, it was believed that the Fed's target was closer to 1.5%, but there was not an explicit target at the time. Instead, their objective was price stability. While it may seem like we would want lower prices, which is called deflation, we actually do not. Lower prices or deflation discourage consumption, and as we've said many a time, consumption is about 70% of our economy. Deflation is undesirable because its impact on human behavior and thus our purchasing decisions. So let's look at a simple example. If you wanted to buy a new car for $40,000, but expected the price of the car to be $35,000 next year because of deflation, you may wait, assuming the new model is similar to the current. But when the next year comes around, you think, hey, I'll wait another year because the price may be $30,000. This is an oversimplified example, but if the general prices on goods or services are likely to go down, and given that consumption is such a large part of our economy, some modest price level increases is not necessarily a bad thing. But runaway inflation is bad too. It erodes the purchasing power of the dollars we have, and if wages are not growing at the same rate or below inflation, then our purchasing power is actually declining. So there's a balance that needs to be struck, and in reality, this can be difficult. As mentioned earlier, the Fed is charged with using monetary policy and the money supply to meet its dual mandate of stable prices and full employment. So let's go into some reasons why inflation has recently been a little high, and then we'll get into some of the ramifications. So first off, inflation is likely running a bit high from all the stimulus provided during the pandemic. Had the stimulus not been provided during the pandemic, the checks sent to the households, increased unemployment benefits, the low interest rate environment from the Fed, the economy would likely be in far worse shape than we are today. And we'd actually be dealing with or concerned about deflation. As mentioned earlier, deflation is undesirable. And once it's set in, it's very hard to correct. Next, inflation can come from a variety of sources. Demand pool inflation, which is when demand exceeds the supply, pushing prices higher. Imported inflation, when the cost of goods purchased outside the U.S. are rising. Wage inflation, when wages are rising more than the price of goods or services, which leads to greater demand in services, pushing prices higher. And cost push, when components of the production process are rising in price, making the final prices higher. We have somewhat of a unique environment at the moment, where due to restrictions, certain aspects of operations are not back up to full speed because of restrictions to prevent the spread of coronavirus. 
We also have households that have likely increased savings because of the lack of spending during the pandemic and now have pent up demand as things start to return to normal. Couple of examples, energy prices. We saw the price of energy drop by a lot back in 2020 as consumers drove less and less and the market was oversupplied with energy. I believe I didn't drive for about six weeks at one point. Lumber is another example. As things went into lockdown, building slowed, demand for lumber slowed as well. As things return to normal and the economy starts operating normally, you would expect supply to come back online and meet demand, causing less upward pressure on prices. There's even the possibility that we see an overreaction. Oil production increases, fully meeting supply, housing starts begin to decline and the lumber prices be de begin to decline or more lumber is harvested, allowing supply to meet demand. Anytime that prices exceed the cost of production, it incentivizes participants in that market to enter the space. And as a result, there's a good chance that many of these markets begin to come back in the balance. Another reason we are seeing price increases that are larger than expected is that we are coming off a relatively low base. Or said another way, the prices a year ago were depressed as we were in the midst of the pandemic. So while a recent reading of 4.2% year over year is indeed high and much higher than the 2% target that the Fed targets, but when you take into consideration the low levels from a year ago, it's really not that surprising. So why is inflation worth discussing and spending an entire podcast episode on? Well, inflation has broad implications for the overall economy and also for investment markets. Let's start with the Fed, which, as we've discussed, uses interest rates and the money supply to influence the economy. As mentioned earlier, the Fed tries to meet its inflation target of 2% and also full employment. The economy is weak, this usually also corresponds to low inflation, and the labor market is also weak. Or said another way, unemployment is high. In situations like this, the Fed would be accommodative, and today, the Fed is extremely accommodative. But if we continue to see upward pressures on prices, the Fed may be inclined to start to remove some of that accommodation. They may start to end their QE programs or even raise interest rates. We would argue that we are a bit of a way away from this for really a couple of reasons. Yeah, so given that we are in recovering from the pandemic, unemployment is still high and there are weaknesses in the economy. While there is certainly fear that inflation may be rising, most would argue that employment component of the dual mandate should take precedent, as we're not going to get sustained inflation for a long term without a strong labor market. Also, the Fed revised its inflation mandate last year to move to an average inflation targeting regime. They still have the 2% target, but in moving to an average inflation targeting regime, they're essentially saying that they're providing more flexibility to meet that mandate and a long run runway to meet it. The reason for the adjustment is that inflation has been running well below target for some time, until recent at least. So in providing a longer runway, they may be willing to let inflation run higher for a bit so that the average is 2% over time. The coming months will be telling in terms of how firm the inflationary pressures are and how the Fed will react. For the reasons just mentioned, we may be seeing some temporary pressures that will eventually abate, but at the same time, we've never really faced a situation where we've had this much stimulus from the federal government, combined with the fact that certain aspects of the economy continue to be impacted from a global pandemic. So this will be something that we need to continue to monitor. With that being said, what are some of the other areas where inflation has an impact? Inflation also has a pretty big impact on bonds. So to use a simple example, you would expect a longer-term bond yield equal to sum of economic growth and inflation. So if economic growth is 2% and inflation is 2%, you would expect the bond yield to be 4%. Using that example, higher inflation will also put upward pressure on bond yields. 
Further, since bond prices move inversely with bond yields, return on bonds would be negatively impacted. Bond yields have been low for some time and have really been on a downward trend for the past 40 years. But that could be starting to reverse as inflationary pressures are starting to heat up. Also, as just mentioned, if inflation continues to move higher, the Fed may be inclined to raise shorter term rates. This would have an impact on shorter term bonds and also have an impact on many different types of borrowing. Think, for example, the borrowing rate on car loans or other forms of borrowing such as credit cards or student loans. Borrowing rates would go up if the Fed raises rates. Mortgage rates could also move higher, but mortgage rates tend to be more correlated with longer-term bonds or the 10-year treasury. Nonetheless, the point is the same. As borrowing costs move higher, it creates additional costs and makes it more expensive to borrow or to use those funds, which essentially provides us with less discretionary income to spend on other things. Lastly, higher inflation and the potential ramifications will put pressure on equities for a couple of reasons. First off, equity prices as a whole tend to track the economy. And if the Fed raises interest rates, and particularly raises them too much too fast, then the economy could head into recession. Stock markets have performed extremely well since the lows in March 2020 and the depths of the pandemic. Part of the reason they have performed so well is all the stimulus and the expectation that the Fed will remain accommodative. That ends up being not the case. We could see some headwinds for the equity market. On some level, stocks and bonds are a substitute for one another. While one would expect the return on stocks to be much higher over the long run, higher bond yields could at some point put pressure on stock returns, at least in their short term. To use an example, if the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond was 10%, you'd likely see a lot of pressure on equity returns or a lot of selling, at least in the near term. Investors would say, hey, why take the risk in the stock market when I can get 10% on bonds? While bond yields are much lower than that, it is a simple example that illustrates that how on some level they do compete with one another. If inflation continues to push bond yields higher, it could be a headwind for stock prices, at least in the short term. Higher inflation can also increase the input costs for companies. And this is where things can start to compound. If a company is experiencing higher prices or expenses, it has a choice. Pass those expenses on to customers, which essentially create even more inflationary pressures. They also run the risk of lower sales. And if customers aren't willing to pay the higher prices for those goods or services, or they do not want to pass on those costs, they will be less profitable. As one can imagine, this is a delicate situation raise prices and run the risk of lower sales, which could lead to lower revenue, or eat the price increase and thus have less profit. Longer term, stocks tend to be good inflation hazards as they eventually will be able to pass on those higher prices to customers. But in the short term, it can create some volatility. Stock markets are forward-looking and higher inflation or even the risk of higher inflation creates uncertainty and stock markets do not like uncertainty. From the Fed to potentially having to raise interest rates to higher potential headwinds from bond yields to the impact on either revenue or earnings, rising prices creates concerns for the stock market for a variety of reasons. To recap today's episode, recent inflation suggests that prices may be rising. The inflation report for the month of April was up 0.8% month over month and 4.2% year over year, the largest upward surprise in over 40 years. And this has broad implications throughout the economy, such as forcing the Fed to potentially raise interest rates, an impact on borrowing rates to the economy, and also on investment markets from rising bond yields on the impact on stock returns. The Fed has a dual mandate of stable in prices and full employment with a defined inflation target of 2%. While the recent inflation numbers are certainly concerning, several factors suggest that the recent number could be temporary, such as the impact on supply chains and pin up demand from the stimulus.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Relatable Finance. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at provwealth.com and follow us on Twitter at Finance Podcast. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.